there's only really three ways someone could pass away or lose their life. One is through direct blunt trauma. Uh, two would be through auto-suggestion, and that's basically what you consider media, uh, fear, uh, you know, fear, fear, fear. Uh, you know, kidneys are inflamed, so Eastern medicine technology is there. And the last one is poisons. So if you look at holistically what diet, what basically meditation does, and different types of energy systems like scalar light and different things like that, you can heal. Your body has the innate ability to heal itself. And that's what, what I realized coming through ahead of time. And, but again, I bought into the system and then eventually my eyes opened up and I was like, this isn't the way to go anymore. This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. Welcome to this week's episode of the Providers, Properties, and Performance Podcast. Today, I interview Scott Burgess as part of the Healthcare Innovator Series. His practice considers helping ourselves stay healthy rather than use the healthcare system. I encourage you to consider listening to what he has to say without judgment or figuring out how you might be able to make any dramatic changes to your lifestyle right away. Then in 30 days, perhaps you listen again and see what speaks to you. Maybe try one thing new and see how it works. Do it for a while and then, it, and then listen again. If nothing speaks to you, the benefit of this medium is that you can simply turn it off. I think we can all agree that change needs to occur in our expensive healthcare system in the U.S. that is not producing any better patient outcomes. Clinicians are burning out and costs are becoming close to 20% GDP and unsustainable. The answer to the question is not clear. We can listen to how some people are making changes and see if what they have to say speaks to us. This is what I think Scott is offering us. This is part one of a two-part episode with Scott. So Scott, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. And um, very nice to meet you. Well, it's very nice to meet you. I've been reading through a lot of your stuff lately, and I'm a big proponent on uh, you know wellness as a choice to prevent chronic healthcare situations and patients. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think your media company, healthcare 360, you know, the forum to discuss how to reduce healthcare costs, um, focusing on wellness is just a wonderful, just delivers wonderful content. So how did you decide to start this? Uh, I'll give you the, the, uh, the quick version, then I'll show you kind of where it evolved to and then where it really is going right now. So I, I was in the healthcare business now for just under 20 years. And as a consultant, I was the person that a hospital would call that said, hey, we need a new operating room or any kind of clinical environment within the hospital brick and mortar parameters. So we took ICUs, emergency rooms, any environment that a patient would have to go into. And I would be the one responsible alongside with the engineers and the architects who'd have to design that space. Loved it, had a passion for it. But along the way, you obviously, you get very proficient and efficient at your job, but you also look at the gaps. So along that 
really that path, I found out that I was like, oh, there's a lot of areas here that could be improved upon. So I don't know if, if you've ever been a part of a process where, and let's just use the operating room, uh, it's, a, it's a hybrid or let's say an interventional hybrid OR, something like that. That process is a long, tedious process. And from beginning to end, uh, even on the fast track, you're looking at anywhere between 18 to 24 months. Uh, it's, so it takes quite a bit of time to, to get there. So along that path, I'd, I'd recognize milestones from the OAC meeting. So that's an owner architect contractor based meeting where there was so much information and everyone thought that the revs and the and drawings and this and the clinical input and the surgeon's input that everyone had the information and it wasn't simply wasn't true. So with the best intentions, everybody in that group would say, yeah, yeah. They always thought someone else had the information. Well, the reality is the only one who is really responsible for the information is the architect of record. So we came up with a solution where we gave them four walls, floors, doors, ceilings, omnidirectional communications, all the capital equipment that would be really, I would say, specific for that clinical environment. And versus having anywhere between six to nine vendors of choice, which is typically what a hospital would do, we reduced that down to four. So we cut out the cost. We made it really, really simple. Uh, we really redirected to a one point of contact. And then on top of that, we said, oh, by the way, we can sterilize your entire space. So if you look at the infection rate in hospitals, it's like through the roof. It's more than what they report, put it this way, way more than what they report. Uh, and if you know how it works, basically someone gets a surgical site infection, and then there's an investigative team. Now, based on what the CPT 10 code allocates under that subcategory, whether it's a 30 day review or a 90 day review based on the surgical procedure that was performed, that's how long they have to gather information and to prove that it didn't happen at the hospital and then prove that it happened somewhere else. So basically it's a, it's a tug of war going back and forth. So we said, hey, we can mitigate all that risk completely. And there was a solution within the, uh, the space that we dropped in that was hermetically sealed and said, we can give you a six log or 99.9999 clean. And basically outside of a prion, and I usually made the running joke, I said, look, uh, if you have a prion, I would call your family, tell them I love you, walk off to the sunset and don't turn around. You're done, like you're out. Uh, you can't kill a prion unless you exceed a thousand degrees Fahrenheit temperature to kill the bug. So you, it's, you know, it's like what they call like the vampire virus. <laughs> so that was that in hospitals, uh, and I'm going to use this term. I hope it's okay for your show, but they're they're so stupid, uh, frankly, just really, really dumb in their choice of decision-making and they weren't ready for the technology. And my proof to this point, and you can actually find it in my podcast, and I'll go back to my podcast in a second, is that we had a guest on our show early, early on within our first five episodes, uh, Bjorn von Siemens of the Siemens family. Amazing guests, amazing information that came out of their conversation. And they basically had cocantinated a data solution through the cloud. So it would make it easier for patients to walk in, show an ID, have all their medical history listed out, basically what everyone's talking about now. Mm -hmm. And no one was ready to buy them, meaning buy the solutions, buy the service. And I'm sitting there scratching my head and going, you got to be flipping kidding me. Like, I, it's right in front of you. Uh, so interestingly enough, the blockchain story, <laughs> it's really not a technology, it's been around forever. But the blockchain story was right behind that. So 
I'd have conversations with the, let's see, the IT director or the CIO, and they're like, no, 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 you know, we want to hold on to the information. And I go, so let me get this straight. So you'd rather build infrastructure, have to maintenance that infrastructure, have to worry about online attacks and virus, computer-based viruses and things of that nature versus throwing it up in the cloud. And they were like, yeah. We want to own our information with a local repository. So I said, okay, that's only that's only part two of the story. Yeah. <laughs> so now, if you realize what's going on today, that Oracle, AWS, Google Cloud Services, uh, Microsoft Azure, they are well. And number one, it would be uh, Amazon Web Services is being the primary through Halo and PillPack. They are the ones who are controlling the cloud-based services enterprise systems in hospitals. And all of a sudden now, within the last four months, hospitals are like, I can't get rid of my data fast enough. <laughs> so I was preaching this two years ago. I was so in front of the curve uh, that I saw the gaps. And then from there, investigatively, and this kind of goes into uh, really my stories, for years now, I've been studying Eastern medicine and Eastern or ancient Eastern methodologies and principles to health and wellness. Uh, so my podcast, if you, from episode one through where it is now, we completely shifted where I was with health and when I was thought I was really trying to help people and it really wasn't, it was managed. It is managed not was, it is managed care. That's all it is. And if it doesn't have a CPT 10 code, it doesn't exist. Uh, till now, letting people know and showing them pathways, you don't need healthcare in its current form. And the reason for that is there's only really three ways someone could pass away or lose their life. One is through direct blunt trauma. Uh, two would be through auto-suggestion. And that's basically what you consider media, uh, fear, uh, you know, fear, 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 uh, you know, kidneys are inflamed. So Eastern medicine technology is there. And the last one is poison. So if you look at holistically, what diet, what basically meditation does, and different types of energy systems like scalar light and different things like that, you can heal. Your body has the innate ability to heal itself. And that's what, what I realized coming through ahead of time. And But again, I bought into the system and then eventually my eyes opened up and I was like, this isn't the way to go anymore. Um, How was that I, for an intro? That's, oh, that's, <laughs> I'm trying to, it's a lot to unpack. So, uh, yeah. so you know, I, you know, I, so, I feel so, so basically Trisha, I was, I, I've been an insider for a long yeah. time. No, no, I, I and, hear you. Yeah. And, and now I know I'm like, yeah, it's not the answer. It, it, again, it is really managed to care. Uh, if you're not sick, they don't make money. But I, I am in agreement with you and in in that I feel that there's a lot more of wellness care that could be in the system rather than just prescribing medication but the, and but that's, doing the, that's same the point thing. though the wellness is external to the system the system's corrupt the system needs to be broken apart completely and wellness is now outside of that what that story what they call manage healthcare well i mean it and i think it's going to take a generation at least to make impactful results and i think that's been accelerated through covid um to some degree i think it was starting with covid and then i think um because of the propensity of covid being worse with comorbidities which you know some of them go down to you know diabetes or or something like that and i think um well covid know, really is nothing more or different than aids or hiv not AIDS, HIV. People do not generally die from HIV. They die from the subcategorical illness that they've been diagnosed with. 
And then do you feel the same with COVID that the it's the COVID or it's the comorbidity? Oh, it's the comorbidity. Absolutely. COVID was just a, a tag for a rename of flu. So do you like, where do you feel that wellness starts? Cause I, I have an opinion that I think it starts with what you put in your body. I mean, one of the things that it's what you put, I mean, it's how you live, but what you put in your body with nutrition um, and our, mm-hmm. and our food, where do you think it, it starts? It starts in your emotions. So I mean, and I, I want to bring the question back to you is why don't you define where you are first? And then I can kind of, I can play there for a little bit. As far as what I feel about healthcare? Well, as far as where you feel the wellness, what you were just talking about with the wellness and that whole where you think wellness starts and you talk about food systems, things like that. So I think when you're sick, I think the the four things that you that are affected first, you either are overstressed, you're not managing stress and the cortisol levels, um, your sleep, you're not man, you're not doing very, you're not having good sleep uh, habits. Uh, you're not having good nutrition, you're eating poorly. Um, and you're not getting enough physical exercise. So I think when you're like, when I'm not feeling well, I look at those four things, like what, what are, what is out of balance with those? And how can I first look at those before I figure out is, and also, is this an, an infection or is this a virus? Um, and how can I first get those under control before I try to go and seek any medical care from any provider? Uh, but I think those four things, and I would say you know, on, on your point that it's emotions, I think that's where stress, you know, how do you handle stress? Cause stress doesn't go away. Stress we have all, all day long. It's just, how do we manage it? Um, but those are, those are the four things that I, I look at as being top of mind of wellness and you don't need a doctor for any of those. Right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll put it to the statement first. There was one of my teachers in college, life without stress is death. That's good or bad. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> so you have to have some kind of stress because because there are only two real emotions. Everything else is subcategories from that, and that's fear and that's love, right? So if you're in a fearful state, let's say for example, uh, and you use the Eastern Medicine categorical definition of what fear, what organs does it relate to? And that's the kidneys, but and that's that's the linear thinking of the allopathic healthcare system that we're talking about right now. It's a linear approach. It's a linear approach with this is what's wrong with you. This is what your diagnosis is. And this is what's happening. In my practice, for example, is everything's in relationship to. So if you clear out the energy systems through emotion first, what's remaining in the physiology is clean up on IL-3 <laughs> because your metaphysical, well, let me restate that your physical is an example of your metaphysical. So if your metaphysical is nothing more than emotion outside of your system and you clean that up, now you just basically heal the wound which is a cut. Think of it like a cut on your skin. You put a bandaid, you clean it out, make sure it's all going to get infected, that type of stuff. You're good to go. But what most people will not believe, which it's really hard for them to believe because they we've been indoctrinated so long, myself excluded from that comment, is that you can actually heal from thought alone. Uh, and it's a very foreign topic for most people in the US culture, because we're from, we're a kid going with mommy and daddy, you have to go see the doctor, they know better. And it's, again, it's on a linear system based on an allopathic medical um, paradigm that's been built for decades and decades and decades now. I like that. So if you get a cold, what's the first thing you do? Oh, yourself? me personally? So uh, let me, I'll answer that question. I'll go back to some of the comments you made before as far as like what wellness is so I can answer that question yeah. for the audience, right? So if I get sick, the first thing I do is I drink uh, plenty of structured, coherently structured water to make sure that I'm getting enough water so my body doesn't get dehydrated. That's, that's the first thing I do. So water is the key to everything, literally everything. So the, the reason why 
NASA and all the scientists say, you know, water's the key to life. It really is. So uh, life is in water. And when you look at the quantum level and the scalar light energy level of light in relationship to water, you understand that. Um, there's a, actually, I just downloaded a book. It's called The the Essence of... Actually, let me look at my phone. I'll give you the exact title of it. I didn't read it yet, uh, but I did read some of the articles that led up to this before. That the uh, What was her book? Um, I'll find it for you. Veda. Yeah. Oh, The Essence of Water. And it talks about really what water is, how it serves us as a physiology, and what's in it's intense are. And, and we'll, we'll go into, I mean, cause they, this, if you've never like a thought about water of, let's say you, you have a negative thought or a positive thought in an emotion system, that water actually changes its form. It's coherent makeup. So when I get sick, I make sure I restructure my water. And then from there I have super greens. So I have a lot of wheatgrass and a lot of superfoods, kales, all broken down into a powder mix up with some orange juice with vitamin C because liposomal vitamin C uh, really accelerates absorption. And probably within minutes, I'm good. And then you rest and let your body do its thing so it can process what we call reconciling. And then you move on. You have the rest of, you have a fun rest of your day. I haven't been sick in so long. I don't even know what it is anymore to be sick. So what do you, how do you practice this? Do, do you want to tell us how you practice wellness every day? Yeah. So uh, first thing I wake up and I have gratitude. I make sure that I know that's a word that's been thrown around a lot uh, socially, but I, I challenge if most people really, not all, but most people really know what that is, what, what true gratitude is. Because uh, if you wake up as sick as you may feel or not, uh, you've satisfied the organism to wake up. If not, you're dead. Uh, you just don't wake up from that. So I wake up with gratitude, make sure I'm grateful for, and not any specific list or things, what comes to mind. What am I grateful for, for waking up? Uh, most of the time, it's obviously around my family. It's around myself personally. And uh, I take, I put my oxygen mask on first for myself. And then from there, everyone else can kind of like experience my love. Uh, if you're not taking care of yourself first, uh, you know, just like the airplane situation, get a mask on first before you can help somebody else. You're not going to do well. So every day it's about myself with self-care. So from there, uh, I go through my practices as far as my healing techniques. And I do that on myself first. And then I'm, I'll check uh, my psoas. I'll check different parts of major areas of your body I'll make sure my diet, all my four diaphragms are online, make sure my spine's in alignment. Uh, if there's any kind of floaty idea, uh, most people are, or at least we're trained to think anywhere to go external. Uh, I go internal. So I usually go my theme personally for me is I'm usually running the opposite direction than everyone else. <laughs> so <laughs> if everyone's running North, I'm going South. I'm like, I'm out. Peace. Uh, so I, I always go in to find out where that emotion's coming from. And then I'll just camp out there. And most, some people would call that like a psychedelic experience, the meditation. Uh, I do holotropic breath work. I'm going inward. I'm finding out where that emotion is. And if I can't find it, I just sit with it and watch it and observe it. And that does a tremendous amount for my mental capability. And when I, I don't drink caffeine, uh, I don't drink any of those energy drinks. I have energy like a chipmunk all day. Uh, and I just, I, I'm just buzzing around going, going, going right now. I'm pretty calm because this is not my show. This is your show. So, um, but I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Uh, I can multitask like a bandit. I, I am just, I can do a lot. And because there's infinite amount of energy around us. And when you find, finally find out how to tap into that, 
through appropriate self-care actions for yourself first, then uh, I don't do any kind of like marketing or anything like that with anybody from my healing practice, but people just arrive at my door. Hmm. They're like, hey, we have X, Y, and they're like, sure, come on in. I don't do any kind of medical notes, questionnaires, anything like that. And uh, to date, I've had at least uh, three to four people, I'm not counting, but somewhere around there that had scheduled surgeries that have canceled their surgeries because we've, again, gotten rid of and, and really dealt with what they would consider hard in the, with their emotional system. And then from there, we work up on with the physiology and clean up an IL-3. And then from there, we're done. <laughs> well, I mean, you're pretty, you're very bold and, and obviously passionate about this. And you're, um, I, I loved um, reading through your, your website, but you had a statement there that nobody gets paid if we are healthy. Nope. Um, so, so tell me, just expand on that for me. So I had a conversation with this gentleman. His name was Lonnie Stormo. I believe if my memory serves me correct, he was episode 37. And he had worked, he was an engineer, fascinating conversation. He had worked for Medtronic, which is one of the largest biotech companies that are out there. And he did a wonderful job. And he, he that's where I got the statement from. So it's not my statement, uh, but I do believe in that statement of what he said. And I did expand on my own research of why he said that. So I took an ins- another's inside a point of view and I found out what was he responsible for? Like what made him tick? What was he passionate about? And he came back and simply said, look, no one gets paid if you're well. Mm-hmm. Like the system is designed around a code. So if you look at, and I'm going to uh, throw some, some really bold statements out right here, like the medical book of diagnoses, 100% of them are unproven as far as what the diagnosis caused from, where it started and blah, 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 all the way down the line. But it has the payment system aligned to it. So now this is kind of where the whole kind of healthcare 360 came about. I had an initial conversation with Tatiana Ramirez in episode two, and she was an architect. And I worked with her many times throughout the years on all these projects down here in South Florida. And so we're sitting down, we're going back and forth. And she goes, Scott, the data shows that over 80, now this is three years ago. So this is outdated information at this point, but I can at least give you this baseline. 83% of all patient consumers are highly, not just dissatisfied, but highly dissatisfied with their level of care. And the number one, and this has happened many times, and I'm sure I, I looked at some of the, your uh, previous guests on your podcast. I know Brent Lacey was there. He and I are friends. And you have a 20 minute appointment with a doctor that you're, he's 30 minutes late to bring you into the room. You're looking at 15 minutes at his ass and five minutes of FaceTime. And that's basically the go-to the, that, that is our standard of care right now. Not for everybody. That would be too much of a blanket, mm-hmm. but that's pretty much what you're going to expect. And you're paying for something for someone to input computational information into a computer who really hasn't assessed things. So I don't really like where healthcare is going because everyone says, oh, you know, we're gonna make it easier because we're gonna start tracking wearables and everything else. We need less tracking. Uh, we had Joe Mullings on our show. Joe Mullings is probably one of the premier headhunters in the health tech space when it comes to placing people into positions. He did, again, PillPack and Halo. Uh, he did Verb Surgical. A lot of the big names that people have heard before Joe's an amazing mind and he had great insight to where the market's going, what new technology they're happening. But basically in that conversation, 
uh, I strung together, your wearable device is going to be gathering all your information, concatenating that data, pooling that information, and then outputting it over to your doctor. And that's going to be one of the new kind of medical breakthroughs. So versus your, let's say six month an- or let's not say annual, biannual appointment with your doctor or annual, they're supposed to be able to get a collective within that 15 minutes and know exactly what's going on. What the, oh, no, 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 hold on. Let's gather all the information. Well, how about good God's name? Do they know what's going on throughout your life because of a watch said something, which is based on technology that gets outdated every year. Oh, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Versus, and this goes into the COVID line, which is why uh, I'm not going to state my real opinion on that, but you can probably get the sense from my high level of voice and my assertiveness. But there has been next to zero education on how to improve your immune system, how to improve your health, and other um, subjective and objective ways you can make sure that you're protecting yourself against that so-called virus. I would right? agree with you there. Yeah, zero information. Yet, they keep talking about, oh, you know, the, the comorbidities, people with high levels of, we had Dr. Jeff Guskey on, doctor, people with vitamin D levels or deficient in vitamin, they're the first ones to pass away or obese. Well, yeah. I mean, so the NIH was funded, had a major grant that was funded to them back in 2007. I'm not, not going to use names because I want your show to be able to get aired and not get censored. Okay. But back in 2007, NIH was funded with, with a major fund and grant to understand the microbiome. So my question to everyone would be, if we know how the systems work, then we know what the gaps are. And I only know that because going to my previous statement earlier in our conversation was when I designed ORs, we always go through a need analysis. So we always identify where the gaps are. This is how you can help people. This is how you have improvement. This is how you grow and scale and everything else in business. So if you know how the microbiome works and where it's deficient, then you know how to, you know, either attack it or improve on it or anything else in between. So we know where its fracture points are. So why are we not building up on that versus put a mask on, which has been proven time and again to be ineffective collectively. Well, that goes back to my point. I mean, the microbiome <clears throat> is still as part of, I mean, I think in the United States, we have horrible eating habits. And um, why is that allowed a, legislatively? A, a lot of, I believe me, I mean, <laughs> I, I think the same legislation that's on cigarettes should be and warning should be on fast food. Believe me, I mean, yeah. I'm, I I totally agree with you there. Um, yeah. But I think that we also have just our diet is full of a lot of processed foods. Um, you have to go past that too, Trisha, right? So it's not just the processed foods or the fast foods and different things like that. Even the organic, for example, it's the chemicals and what's happening to our ground. And oh, absolutely. A, uh, yeah, it, it's a big, big, I mean, they're the reason why Monsanto is a big name as far as getting sued because of the glyphosate and all the different chemicals that are now more readily known about today because of those lawsuits, but it's been suppressed for a long time. And thankfully, we had a lot of nice people, frankly, crusaders, who've actually gone out there and actually said, enough's enough. Like people are dying and they're getting really, really sick. And, you know, we have these diseases and combination of diseases that these doctors have frankly no idea what to do because it's not their fault. They're given a linear system and these are complex nonlinear illnesses and diseases. Well, I think, you know, the, there's been the term you are, you're not what you eat. You are what you're, what you eat eats. And that's what, you know, how the plants are grown and what the animals that you're eating are eating as well. So, I mean, it, it, it does, it's definitely a lot of, it's dynamic. It's not a linear mm. system. Yeah. 
So that's um, so that's the basic. That go back real quick. That's how I I wake up, start off my day, and then from there, uh, nothing goes in my mouth that has a label, <laughs> ever. So if it has a label, I'm out. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.